another episode of the Source Material Comics Podcast. We are getting ready for the latest release. Oh, boy. What is it called, Evan? <laughs> the, the Batman. Ba- the Batman. The yeah. Batman. So, Evan Bevins. used with The Suicide Squad. That's right. Evan Bevins, you are on the Source Material Comics podcast with me tonight, and we're going to be talking about White Knight, which is a book that I may have heard of through the grapevine, but it it was one of those that when you suggested it, I think you I think you may have suggested this a long time ago uh, during my hiatus, possibly. I don't know. Does that sound familiar at all? Yeah, well, and uh, it was probably a lot closer to when The Batman was originally going to come out before... Um, COVID. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I'd heard good things about it, and I was kind of curious, and I read it, and we'll get into uh, to, to some of why, but I, I just sent it to Mark just because I thought it was good, and I said, hey, if you don't have anything to tie into the Batman, this actually makes a really good tie-in to Batman movies. Right, right. Yeah, it does. Because it, <laughs> yeah, it draws does. a lot from Batman's non-comics source material, if you will. So this is uh, this is Batman White Knight came out in 2017, 2018. So this was written and drawn by artist Sean Murphy. He has been known for and I just headed over. I went to the wiki here. He's known for Joe the Barbarian with Grant Morrison. You said you picked up the first issue. It didn't grab you to keep picking it up or uh, just wasn't your bag. I just remember the cover. I can't remember what what it was. I I, I, uh, I grab a lot of things and then uh, for whatever reason, well, money, um, right. <laughs> don't always yeah. end, end up following them. But a Grant Morrison fan, I just remember it was a kid with like toys that came to life. But with Grant Morrison, I'm sure it was a whole lot weirder than that. Ooh, yeah. um, this is the first thing I remember reading of, of Murphy's. But I mean, when this was announced, it was a big deal. And I mean, you know. DC doesn't just get, turn the keys to Batman over to anybody and say, yeah, write and draw whatever you want. Right. This is a very interesting take. This isn't continuity, right? It takes Nothing. a lot of the, the things we're familiar with about Batman. I mean, it, it's all recognizable, but it changes the details around, and it pulls a lot from the movies and even the animated series. You can be familiar with Batman, but you don't have to be a Batman scholar to follow and appreciate this. Right. You were, you were pointing out some things uh, while you were reading it to me in the chat, which completely went by me, but that isn't the point of this book. The point of this book, just like you said, you, you don't have to know everything that's happened in the films or in the animated series. You don't need to know all that to enjoy the story that's actually being told here. This isn't fan service. I don't think it is. There's still elements to it, but the story of this is not fan service for sure because it's a really, really, really good story. I just um, like the way you said that um, I was pointing out things as I was reading it to you in the chat. So I hope people think that the way we prepared for this is that we got online and I read the story to you. It was story time with Evan Bevins. <laughs> I was like, I want to go to sleep, man. Could you read me a bedtime story, please? Issue three, starting here. <laughs> now, hold on. Let me synopsize this real quick. All right. Continue. <laughs> Oh, that's great. You know, when when I'm getting ready to read this, I'm like, okay, my mindset is this is going to be an alternate tale where I knew that Joker is a good guy. I thought it was going to be a complete alternate tale where we're in a flip, a flip sided universe where Batman was evil and Joker was good. I thought that's what we were going to get. But it's not that black and white. Yeah, it is. 
absolutely not. It, it starts out Batman chasing the Joker. So it's you've seen it thousands of times in the, the comic books. Did you say you were picking this up as it was getting released or tell me? Tell me. No, that. no, I had just heard about it. Um, I honestly can't remember if I read it on Hoopla first or, or through the physical library, but I, I just, uh, you know, the the idea of the Joker as a good guy. I'm not a big Joker fan. I, I think he's a good villain, but I don't I don't get the fascination with him, I guess, because, you know, a lot of times they've just turned him up to the just the most twisted guy you can imagine. Right. And he, he's a good foil for Batman. But I don't know. I, I don't don't get a lot of the fascination with the Joker. But I mean, the idea of, of Joker as a good guy. I mean, there have been times where, you know, the Joker's worked with Batman or I think there's a famous uh, crossover, Batman Captain America crossover, where the Joker decks the Red Skull because he's like, hey, I'm crazy, I'm evil, but I'm not a Nazi. There, there's been times like that, but the idea of, of the Joker as an actual good guy, it just, he's chaos, he's utterly evil. So I was kind of curious as to how that would work. You know, he's, he's not a sympathetic figure, or at least in, in most stories. And part of me was just in, intrigued. One of the first things I heard about it was, "Hey, they're actually uh, they're actually bringing back the name Jack Napier, right? Which, right. which is one of the one of the unique elements of the uh, the Burton movie, and one of the many. Um, you know, th- this doesn't ignore the comics or anything, but it brings in a lot of stuff from the the movie, uh, and, and which is how a lot of people know Batman. So it's it's kind of cool. You know, like I mentioned, there's stuff from the animated series that we'll talk about. For me, as a kid, I read Batman comics here and there, but Batman the Animated Series, that was Batman to me. Way more than, than the comics for a long time. I think my first like real watching bat i never watched any of the 60s series when i was a kid so i didn't sometimes you just can't get rid of a bomb never got to experience any of that i would say the 89 batman i can there is a f- memory firmly planted in my mind of when we went on vacation to pirate land campground or something like that but anyway uh and we went the summer of 89 the bat dance was playing on the radio uh by prince and and the movie was in the theaters june 23rd 1989 tim burton batman hit the screens so but yeah i i I firmly remember so i would say that that's probably where i first thought of my thought to myself okay maybe i'll read up or watch something on this guy at some point and i i think i watched the 89 batman probably on vhs rented it from uh rented it somewhere i didn't go to the theaters to watch it i did go to watch batman uh what is it return returns batman returns thank you i Mm -hmm. went and saw that with my wife who was my girlfriend at the time it was like one of the first dates we ever went on um so that would have been 92 had to have been 92. Yeah. Uh, so, so there you go. And then, and, and then I probably picked up some Batman comics just, but it wasn't anything I read all the time. Just like you said, that's kind of like where they're drawing the inspiration from here in this comic book, or at least a good bit of the, I shouldn't say inspiration, but a lot of what you're, well, a lot of what you see on the pages, you can draw parallels to the film, um, the films. So, all right. Anything else before I get into the synopsis though? No, synopsis eyes okay. away. Here I go. Here I go. This was dictated to me by Evan Bevins via <laughs> messenger. <laughs> That synopsis is coming up, but first let me talk about Amazon Music. If you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs, Amazon Music has you covered. 
If you head to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network, you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com slash W, the number 2M Network, for that free 30-day trial. Here we go, issues one through three. The Joker has continued to again plague the city of Gotham, and once again, Batman has to bring him to justice. But when the Joker attempts to escape by hiding in a facility that held FDA-discarded pharmaceuticals, Batman catches up to him. With the GCPD, Jim Gordon, Nightwing, and Batgirl present, in a moment of frustration, Batman forces some of the, uh, I guess, random pills that are just kind of laying around here, uh, some of these pills down Joker's throat. Unfortunately, this act was caught on video and released to the Gotham media, unleashing a mountain of negative press for the Gotham City Police Department for working alongside what appears to be an unhinged vigilante. However, by the end of issue one, the pills that made their way into the system of the Joker have seem to have changed him. No longer the riotous psychotic personality, Jack Napier has officially shed his alter ego, claiming he is now cured. He also intends to sue the city for failing to treat him, in effect making his psychosis worse, and also for the unfair treatment during his capture. Jack also plans on cleaning up Gotham the right way. In issue two, public sympathy for Jack is growing. Jack also feels he owes Harley Quinn an apology for how he mistreated her over the years. However, she is in disbelief and upset with his recent change. As things become tense between the two, another Harley appears, the true Harleen Quinzel, chasing the other Harley off. Harleen tells Jack that she left him and apparently the Joker didn't know it. <laughs> but she <laughs> she left him, uh, and when she realized the Joker was never in love with her, but obsessed with Batman. The pair decide to use their talents to better Gotham, and their first action is to unite the Gotham underworld by mind-controlling the Gotham villains with powdered clay face. Yes, it's a weird, <laughs> weird way to do this, but they get it's the, this. It's the hats that he used to mind-control people, and, I mean... Not that he's not a uh, comic book character, but the Mad Hatter I always think of is, again, the animated version where he's got the little cards and the hats. And so, yeah, what what Joker was saying is it'd be really hard to control 30-some people, but all I have to do con- is control Clayface, and then Clayface controls them. There we go. Okay. Never accept and- a drink from the Joker. <laughs> yeah, he gets all of the villains in this one room, and he's, like, popping champagne and, like, gets them all to drink it, and sure enough, he had laced it with, he laced it with Clayface. Uh yeah, now all these uh, all these villains are under the Joker's control. Uh, well, I should say Jack's control. And it's important to remember the Joker's no longer right now. As we're as we're proceeding through issues one and two, you know, by issue two, the Joker's gone. It's Jack Napier, and you're kind of wondering: Is he actually good, or is he just kind of putting on a facade here? Well. By issue three, all of Gotham's villains are running roughshod over the city and Batman's plan to lure the villains to the small, poor section of Gotham called Backport backfires as the citizens there are tired of the constant destruction that seems to follow Batman wherever he goes. Severely injured during the battle, Batman heads back to Wayne Tech to bandage himself up. And when he gets there, he faints at the bedside of a very very ill, possibly on death's door, Alfred. During this time, Alfred has been sick and Bruce has been working with Mr. Freeze to save him. However, their efforts have been unsuccessful. When Bruce awakens, he finds Alfred saved his life by using the very technology that was keeping him alive, sacrificing himself. Meanwhile, Jack has taken to the TV again to lay it all out there on the cost the city pays for Batman's fight and that in order to pay for the damages, the city has 
something that they call the Batman Devastation Fund. This is something that's been around for quite a while. Uh, and I can't remember. There was a there was a dollar figure on it. It's like it three was, billion a year. Jeez. Please. Unbelievable. So as a taxpayer, you're concerned. <laughs> <laughs> so as Jack makes friends with his, with an ex-military street-level authority figure by the name of Duke in Backport, our second Harley, the one that got chased off by the original, discovers the Mad Hatter, who has fashioned the Clayface mind control device that we were talking about. He discuss, She discovers the Mad Hatter and also finds a room full of villains just standing still awaiting command. So Harley now has mobilized or a way to mobilize all of Gotham's villains under her control now. So she's just basically taken over where Jack apparently forgot <laughs> to lock the door and Har <laughs> Harley was able to get in there and uh, basically take take control now. So she's got she, now she has all the villains under her. That's by by the end of issue three, like the final shot is her opening up that door to that room and like Bane standing there along with Killer Croc and all the rest of the villains are just kind of standing still. And of course, their eyes are glowing, showing that they're mind, you know, they're under the mind control thing, but they're just waiting, waiting for command. That right there is issues one through three. Uh, really interesting setup. And like I said, I. I was um, kind of caught off guard by all the uh, the elements that, that he seemed to be bringing in from from other versions of, of Batman. He wanted to, to point out a, a couple of those. I was the argument between him and the Joker in the medication warehouse or, or whatever you call it. Yeah. The Joker's talking about their relationship and Batman yells, there is no relationship. Did that not remind you of the Lego Batman movie? Now, see, here's the thing. I never saw it. I, I, have oh my gosh. I know. I know because it's actually it's funny because I was reading uh, comments about this and that was brought up. So because I, to, go ahead. to me, when I when I rank Batman movies, um, it goes Dark Knight, Lego Batman and everything else. Wow. Because Lego Batman is crazy and goofy and hilarious, but it takes all these Batman elements like as as different as it is from other Batman things, it takes all these Batman elements like the loner that somehow has this giant surrogate family and all this stuff turns all those elements into this crazy, goofy movie. And mm -hmm. in a way that that kind of reminds me of, of this is it takes all these different Batman elements and mixes it into something new in the movie, the Joker, his whole plan is set into motion because Batman's like, yeah, I don't care. You're just like any other uh, criminal to me. And he's like, but, but we had something special. <laughs> He's like, I don't currently have an arch enemy. Uh, I'm, I'm fighting lots of different people. I like to fight around. There is a, an absolute obsession that Joker has with the Batman in, in this book. So much so that that caused that relationship between him and Harleen, uh, the original Harley Quinn, to fall apart to where she mm -hmm. just left. It's definitely explored here like, you know, this is a sick person. Now, all of a sudden, he's better. And he's starting to realize kind of like what that what that relationship has done to him and, and to others around him. And you start to see Jack, who mainly it's basically the relationship between him and Harleen that uh, suffered. And you can see, you know, now they're trying to patch things up, which is which is great. I was I was going to say so, some of the other elements, 
you saw Batman and Robin, right? The 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 second Schumacher entry. It's been a while, but yes, okay, I, but, I, I, I know what but you're yeah, the one with Schwarzenegger is Mr. Freeze. Right. What was one of the uh, what was one of the subplots in there? Alfred had the same disease as Freeze's wife. But we'll, the, we'll the one that. that jumped out to me even even more so, even more uh, oddly than the. Uh, Lego Batman parallel is, you know, early on when we see Batman chasing the Joker, the Joker's like, okay, first I'm going to jump the draw the drawbridge, then we're going to do rooftop driving, right? Which which triggered my memory because on there's a line in Batman Begins where he first takes out the giant tank like Batmobile, and one of the one of the officer police officers yells, he's driving on rooftops. <laughs> on the DVD for Batman Begins, they took um and the opening to the MTV Movie Awards from that year and jimmy fallon did this sketch where um so he was the host and he did this sketch where batman drives him to the show okay and so they're they're intercut they added stuff to that sequence and batman's like driving you know all through gotham because gotham of course has bridges that go over top of 10-story buildings because you know gotham is just a weird place one of the things they added to it was they added a police officer so you've got cutaways to andy dick chasing batman oh my gosh and he's and he's yelling into the thing. He's driving on rooftops. He's dri-. so they you know they they made that that line a punchline. And not only do they reference that in this, you know, like Joker or Jack Napier later in custody says Batman endangered innocent civilians by driving an unlicensed weaponized tank over those rooftops. Right. And in that sketch, they kept calling the Batmobile a tank. Not only is it just a callback to that, which you know, because that, that that's a goofy sketch, but it's actually as we'll find out a pretty central part of the plot. Yeah. It's a very overall story with this Batman devastation. Right. The main thing that they're getting to here is that, yeah, Gotham has a lot of villains, but the, the one that seems to top it all, and this is, all been stuff that I've heard prior to even reading this is the, the one that seems to be the biggest problem is Batman. And what they do here is they start to point out the things that have happened, uh, you know, in the movies and, and, and just stuff that would happen in a comic book that would make the general public go, wait a second, specifically, like, I don't know if it happens in these issues or if it's later, but, you know, we find out that, uh, Jack finds out that there's somebody who survived a collapse of a building after, after that, after that tank basically ran on it, ran, uh, ran on the roof rooftop yeah um and people have always there will be people out there that say okay hey batman's the true villain in this he that was another classic episode of the animated series they uh they there was a prosecutor that was out to take batman down and the inmates rioted in arkham and put batman on trial saying that he was the reason they all were the way they were yeah, and there's an argument that could be had there. Yeah, these these villains are definitely crazy, but you have a vigilante who's running out there as armored weapons, an armored bat suit, all sorts of tricks up their sleeve. By in issue one, you can see that Batman is kind of losing control of himself. Especially, I mean, granted, it's it's in a fit of anger where he grabs the pills and shoves them. He knows that he's not going to kill the Joker. He's not planning on trying to kill the Joker, but anybody who's watching that video believe could believe that Batman is going to, was trying to kill the Joker or it could have potentially killed the Joker. There's just that question as to whether it could have potentially killed him. Uh, And of course, you know, Joker spits those pills out as able uh, lives, but uh, he changes because of it. But either way, there's this growing argument. Of course, 
when Joker changes and becomes Jack and he goes on trial, very public trial, he's explaining, look, I am, I was this way because the city failed me and it's failing you too. Uh, and here's, here's all the ways. And it's about, and then of course that, and throughout at least issue three, there's still a very real question in your mind as to whether Jack is legitimately not the Joker. <laughs> Yeah, you can't believe that he is. You can't believe that he isn't. Would you agree? I mean, are you? Are oh, you, yeah. 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 You, you can't. I mean, that's why it's it's so interesting is the Joker is not one of those characters where you can see his point of view. You know, like like everybody talks about Magneto. You know, he, oh, yeah. he, he was a villain for the longest time, but you understood where he was coming from, you know, or Dr. Doom supposedly has this sense of honor. It's very selective, but also Dr. Doom's just really insecure. But but the Joker, he's just, you know, chaos incarnate. He's he's evil right you know he i mean you know look at look at heath ledger's version of him it, it, yes. imagine that joker being good or yeah. you know doing something for for someone else so yeah it's it's just hard to imagine the joker i mean heck i've seen i've seen stories where thanos was uh, a good guy yeah and that's easier to swallow than than the joker seeing the light right seeing so you know not only us of course the uh, the characters in the book can batman especially does not believe that uh, jack has become or excuse me the joker has reverted back to jack napier and is there's an action what a turn of events now the joker or now Jack Napier is going to turn the city around. And I mean, of, of all things, Batman's the villain. Oh, I mean, come on. So let me ask you about what about this Harley slash Harleen stuff going on here? Is this somehow in the because this took me by complete surprise. I assume it was made up whole cloth for this series. I, I think so. And I, I haven't read a lot about this, but but here's my take on it. OK. The, the second Harley that goes on to become the Neo Joker. Right. And uh, if this had come out two years later, I'm sure they would have been calling her Punchline. Right. <laughs> you, you know, Punchline, you know, the, That's the, the character uh, that everybody went and bought some obscure limited series because it was her first appearance. She didn't say anything. You know, Punchline, I, I just now uh, read a comic where Punchline did something. She was... <laughs> Kind of like Boba Fett, but with less <laughs> screen time. What I think the way they, they did this with Harley is, you know, Harley has, has been a pretty well-regarded character ever since she was created, again, uh, for the animated series. This new Harley looks a lot more like the Margaret Robbie and New 52 version, the really right. scantily clad. I mean, not that the original Harley was very conservative, but the, the original Harley, when she comes back, she's got the classic Harley Quinn, you know, unitard. And whatever. Not that not that the new version of Harley doesn't have depth, but you have to get past the the booty shorts and you know the the skimpy T-shirt and all that other stuff uh, right. to, to find it. So I think the you know the original Harleen is to represent the original version of Harley, and the new one kind of represents some of the extremes that the character's been taken. Okay. There were some episodes of the of the cartoon where, you know, she actually did kind of try to turn things around, and then I know in one of the new 52 Suicide Squads, which they relaunched like 48 times before they even got to rebirth, there was one where Harley was just just straight up murdering people, and it was like hard to hard to find any, you know, sort of redemption for her or anything. So, yeah. you know, there's, there's a line where um you know jack's like wait a minute so you left and another harley showed up and i didn't even notice <laughs> and original recipe harley describes her as a violent cheerleader with a bigger rack and don't get me started on the clothes and um, so i mean i don't know if that's what murphy was going for but to me it's like you know there's these different aspects of harley and they're they're just two different characters 
I like that. I think that's a really good analogy, really, to be honest, because this it, you could spin that for a lot of a lot of different characters uh, at where all of a sudden they have this. This isn't the Harley I was used to. Hashtag not my Harley. Oh, well, guess what? It isn't your Harley. It's actually Mary Andrew, Mary Andrews. Well, yeah, that took me by surprise because and I, obviously it was supposed to uh, because yeah. this was definitely out of the blue. And here comes the original Harleen Quinzel. But the funny thing is she's such a central character. I, I didn't even notice this because I don't notice all kinds of details, but at least on the uh, on the version I have, the title White Knight, the Harley diamond symbol is in the W. Oh, and she's not even in the first issue, or is she? She is definitely as important a character in this story as Batman or Jack Napier. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't have them showing up a whole lot in the synopsis, but I will just go ahead and throw this out here. There is a very a very distinct arc that occurs between Batman, Nightwing, and Batgirl. Um, so does Nightwing here, right? It's Dick Grayson, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, I mean, only in dressed, this one, he's the second Robin. So is he, okay, so he's not Robin. He's actually, or excuse me, he's not Nightwing. He's Robin. Well, I mean, no, he's Nightwing at this point, and I, I, I just assumed he was Robin b- before Nightwing, but um, they had Jason Todd, and you know, right? Until recently, Jason Todd was most famous for being killed by the Joker, so they 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 play with that. But he was the first Robin, yeah. Um, and I mean, and and maybe I, like I said, I, I can't even tell you for sure if Nightwing was ever Robin in this. I just assumed he was because there are references to other Robins, but that was and that that uh, that becomes a plot point. Except we don't know for sure what happened to Jason Batman. Right. Never- never found his body that didn't make it into my first part of the synopsis but it is definitely coming up here later but i think it's a good time oh, to go ahead and bring sorry it up about that. no you didn't you didn't spoil anything because yeah, he, he, i think he, i left out i mean they make some references to it I, yeah he he pops up in issue i just had it in my notes for issue three yeah um but but yeah i mean that that becomes an important element in the story when uh harleen and jack are talking and he's like trying to explain what happened. Uh, and she, that's where she explains that he was obsessed. Jack was obsessed with Batman and she realized that, you know, he wasn't really in love with her. That is also part of the conversation where, or she tells him it was back when you had captured Jason and Jason was tied up downstairs. So I'm immediately thinking, well, this is a spin on what happened originally where, Joker beat Jason with a crowbar and and killed him in continuity. So you're thinking that that's that's paralleling here where he's got his, he's got Jason Todd captured and that night is when Harleen left. Uh so that's uh yeah, that's important because we learned that Jason Todd at least was there at some point in Batman's history along with of course Dick Grayson who is now fighting alongside of him. I was bringing up Batgirl as well. I mean, you've got some central Batman figures who are also doubting Batman too. Uh yeah. you know, Nightwing's doubting him. Batgirl's really Batgirl who by the way is Barbara Gordon. Yeah, none of the events of a kill, of Killing Joke happened. Uh so she's Batgirl, she's up and running around and you know, Nightwing's definitely he doesn't want to doubt Batman, but he can see. He can see he is going at least closer and closer to the edge that he does not want to see Batman go over. He doesn't want to see him become a a, uh, a raging vigilante. But that moment, and now public opinion, after seeing that moment where he forced those pills down Joker's throat and all of this crazy stuff that's going on, like, there's just those little things. In the beginning where he's, when Batman is pursuing the Joker and he runs into that security guard and pushes him yeah. over and, you know, Nightwing's helping him back up. And he's like, that guy's crazy. He just pushed, he, you know, I tried to tell him where the Joker was. He just pushed right by me and knocked me over. 
you can see people around him starting to be and grow concerned with Batman's behavior here. That's not so. an element that's that's missing. It's it's heightened a little bit, but from the the regular Batman stories, I mean, you know, Nightwing's always kind of been like, you know, he he has a lot in common with Batman, but he didn't go quite as dark as Batman. You know, right. he he became Nightwing eventually. He he split away from from Batman. He's still loyal to him. You know, he he's, he's Batman's still like like his father, but Dick kind of didn't didn't sink and get as in, enveloped in that world as Bruce did. Right. And the only other thing that I thought was important to note in in here was um, Jack playing on these conspiracy theories and coming up with buzzwords like, uh, you know, the gatekeepers let the Joker escape so they could. And I mean, it's, you know, it's fitting in with, you know, again, maybe not specific story beats, but definitely elements of Batman, you know, destruction of the city, the revolving door at Arkham. But it also, you know, rings really true to, you know, a lot of the debates we're having now or even, you know, five years ago when this came out, there's a lot of talk about the 99% versus the 1%. Yep. And it, it's not, and, and they keep delving into this, but throughout the series, there's a balance because it's like, okay, the stuff Jack's saying makes sense, but he is using some questionable methods, and maybe it's not quite the way the way he's he's saying it. So it, it, it it's really interesting because it kind of presents both these sides, but but it, it still leaves it pretty gray. Backport. So this small, uh, I think it's a section of Gotham. I don't know if they call it. It's not, it's part of the city, but it's like the the poorer part of the city. Yeah, it's like a neighborhood or a borough or. Right. And you talk about drawing off of real elements. There is a very real tense relationship between Backport and the Gotham City Police Department. Uh, And Mm -hmm. you're going to see that in real life. The poor section of the town is probably going to have a lot more run-ins with the law. It just so happens that Backport is not exactly very enthusiastic about Batman coming down there like he has to all the time and causing all the trouble that he does. Even though he's bringing in villains, it seems like the poorer sections of of Gotham uh, tend to be where these villains reside. So it's just one of those things where, well, Batman's got to show up because the villains are there. The bad guys are there. Those are the streets he needs to patrol or whatever. So he's going to run into that a lot. The citizens of Backport are not too happy. And they bring in this character by the name of Duke, who, uh, again, by by issue three, you're sitting there and you're going, okay, Jack is going to Backport. And he's talking to some guy who seems he's not a gang leader in any way. He seems like a guy who's he said he's ex-military. Um, ex-cop, too. Yeah, ex-cop. I didn't I didn't um, pick up on that at first. But. Right. Yeah. He Because at, later on, I think it's him and Bullock who get into it. Uh, and uh, but yeah, they he mentions that he was not a cop or he was a cop at one point. But anyway, you, you got this guy who's kind of like he mobilized his own police force, although it's not a sanctioned police force. He's got some. They're straight out gang members, but they're, um, you know, he he's letting them uh, letting them slide on some of the smaller things so he can keep keep the peace on a, a bigger level. Yeah. And the way that we meet Duke is Jack and Harleen head down to backport and these thugs show up and it looks like they're going to try and, you know, basically rob him. And then Duke shows up and that's who he was down there to meet. But Duke, these guys, you know, these guys respect Duke. They're like, Oh man, we didn't, you know, we were just messing around. We didn't have a gun. Duke is keeping the peace as well as he can. And he's also got it organized, which Jack obviously respects. And that's why he's gone down there there to meet him. You've got somebody who is organizing this. Now, the point of that is, is that Backport seems to be doing well without the police. And there's been arguments. I know you've heard them, uh, you know, in real world about defunding the police. 
Yeah. And that is kind of one of those things that they're taking from, it seems like. And it's almost like you're watching the guy that used to be the Joker go down here and talk to this guy. What is the, is there a nefarious plan here? I don't know. We don't know, but it seems like this Duke guy has a really good head on his shoulders. Uh, and you're worried Duke as strong as he is. And as, you know, as in control as he is, you're kind of worried, like what's Jack want to get him into because if yeah. Jack's evil, you know, it's, it, it, it could be bad either way. We get to meet Duke and, and his the dealings with backport. And now him and Jack are kind of together by the end of issue three. I presume Duke is a version of, I don't know if you've read any of Scott's, Snyder's Batman run, but he introduced a character named Duke Thomas, who you thought for a while was going to be another Robin. But uh, he ended up being a character called The Signal, which okay. uh, I think was actually a joke in Teen Titans Go to the Movies that they made a movie about the Bat Signal. <laughs> I do remember that one. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, as a, a, a young black man named Duke Thomas, not a you know not a not a grizzled uh, military veteran ex cop. Right. You know, I I kind of wonder if, and this is all all speculation, but you know, I was saying if it had been a couple years later, Neo Joker probably would have been punchline. I'm wondering if this wasn't a character that Murphy came up with just for the story, and they're like, well, hey, why don't you make it, why don't you name him Duke? Because we got this, uh, this character Duke Thomas, um, so that can you know make him a more recognizable. I have no idea, or maybe Murphy meant it to be that Duke, or maybe it was just a coincidence and he just thought Duke was a cool name. Post edit Jesse Starcher coming at you. So, hey, check this out. Coming from dc.fandom.com, Duke Thomas was created by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo, first appearing in Batman Volume 2, number 21. Duke Thomas first appeared as part of the White Knight universe in Batman White Knight number 3 by Sean Murphy. So, Evan Bevins was correct. All right, back to the show. It, it doesn't always work when you try to put real world things in the comics or put comics in the real world. But I, I was just really impressed all the way through this, how he he took elements from Batman, elements from the real world. But it, it didn't really seem like he necessarily had a, a particular agenda. We right. can talk, talk more about that later. But um, I think he did a really good job at stuff that a lot of people try to do in comics to, to varying degrees of success. I agree. Just like you said, this is setting a good foundation. There's definitely a mystery going on here. Is Joker good? Is Joker a bad guy, I should say, is Jack good? Is Jack a bad guy? It's done well. It could this could have fell flat on its face, and it didn't. So I'm, I'm and glad. And there aren't the cops aren't perfect, but there aren't any just outright villain cops. You know, you right. see it in so many movies. You just expect that, like you know, half the the police officers are openly corrupt, and they they talk a lot about about corruption. And there's certainly mistakes the police make, but they're they're not vilifying the the police right. either. They're they're just saying, you know, things are complicated, and if Batman was real, things would be really complicated. Right. All right, well, issues four through six, here we go. Uh, so with the help of Duke, uh, Jack Napier now stumps for councilman. Is that is that the right word? Stumping for something? Is he stumping for councilman? Yeah. yeah okay. I mean, he, he's running. He's, he's stumping, going out campaigning. Okay. So he stumps for councilman and backport. Uh, during the rally, police and public tensions begin to mount. Again, another very real-world element here. Uh, and uh, as violence looks almost inevitable, Batman swings in, attacking both Duke and Bullock. And then Jack finds that and uses it to his advantage, blaming the violence on Batman. So the public continues to distrust the vigilante. 
Now Jack requests Gordon to redistribute the Batman Devastation Fund, this huge fund, this huge fund to train a force called the Gotham Terror Oppression Unit. And Batman, Jack says, hey, Batman, you can work inside of it. And of course, Batman's not going to go for that. But I know there's a lot of people that believe the idea has merit and also begins to grow support. As time goes on, however, we can see that the pills Jack continues to take to stifle his Joker personality are having some pretty ill effects on his body. Now, we also get some light shed on our second Harley. Uh, who was once named Marion Drews. She was a bank clerk that Joker just started calling Harley one day after robbing the place that she worked at. Uh, At the time, she was longing for purpose. Uh, She was definitely not in a good state of mental health either. But uh, she was longing for purpose and he gave it to her and she had a bad case of Stockholm Syndrome. I think that's actually what she says. Yeah. Uh, now now she has decided to drop being Harley and go by the name Neo Joker. Teaming with the Mad Hatter, Neo Joker looks to get the Joker back because she believes the Joker is still in Jack. There's, I, We gotta bring the Joker back and we'll bring Gotham to, Gotham to its knees if she has to. After some time following clues that lead her to Wayne Manor, Neo Joker attempts to break in, but is caught by Bruce. When the fully formed GTO, that's uh, the Gotham Terror Oppression Unit, is in pursuit of Neo. I think she's they're they're chasing after Neo Joker, I believe. Uh, it, it was them. It wasn't just a other set of villains, was it? it no, was, she, no I, th- okay. I think it was specifically her. Yeah. So, so the GTO is in pursuit of Neo Joker. Batman and the Batmobile attempt to capture them. However... Oh my gosh. His actions result in a bridge collapse. So at about this point when I'm reading this, <laughs> I'm like, man, Gordon might be right here because <laughs> it's yeah. getting bad. <laughs> I mean, when a bridge collapses and there's a barge down below that, you know, it, it all happened because Batman intervened and the villains got away. So now Jim Gordon has no choice but to put out an APB to arrest Batman. So some time goes by and Gordon comes up with a plan to capture Batman, which leads to a great car chase scene, which is really cool. That ends up with the both of them wrecked. Now, I think like Gordon ends up in an old school Batmobile uh, and they're go- he's chasing them after or he's chasing the other Batmobile. So we got Batmobiles. We got two Batmobiles so far, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. But anyway, Gordon's in one and he's able to kind of like wreck the other Batmobile that Batman's in. And and as an injured Batman attempts to escape, he runs into Jack Napier, who has been training to face Batman one on one. Another one of these things where I'm like, okay, Jack's going to Jack's going to mess him up bad. And then we're going to finally see that he's actually evil. And during the fight, Jack is able to get the upper hand and beats him. But it's interesting Chokes because him on his own utility belt. Yeah, dude, it was bad. But at the end, you know, at the end of the fight, Jack is kind of upset. He's upset that he had he had to beat him. He, he's like, what have I done? Let's stop there real quick. What do you think that he meant by that? I think maybe that starts to give us a clue that that Jack's legit, you, you know, and, and Harley. I don't remember which issue this is in, but Harley, you know, says to him, you know, hey, you you guys are still doing this rivalry thing and she really wants them to work together. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe that Jack starts to realize like, OK, I beat Batman, but why, why did I did I want to do that? You know, maybe, maybe that's not that's not the outcome. And also, you know, he, I'm looking at that page. He's saying, I've, I've thought about this moment for decades. Wonder what I'd do if I ever got to see you like this all broken and vulnerable. And I think maybe he, he's feeling like maybe he's going a little bit too close to the Joker personality again. OK, I, I think what a lot of this hinges on is, you know, yeah, Batman makes mistakes, but 
the story never makes Batman 100% the villain. Right. It comes darn close. But part of what the point of the story is you got to look at other perspectives. And if you get too dug in one way or the other, even if you think you're the good guy, like Batman did and like Jack did, you, you may still not see the full picture. Right. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. I thought it was very, you know, it was poignant. It was a poignant part of it because you finally get Jack Napier versus Batman and it isn't fulfilling. It's not like he's just running around, you know, with the championship utility belt after he's and standing over Batman. He's sad. Yeah. it's, that's something else. And then they, uh, they take Batman into Arkham, you know, and Napier's the one that says, no, don't don't pull the mask off. We're, we're keeping his his secret. Right. I mean, he could have, if he was full on Joker, I mean, he could have totally broken and defeated Batman once and for all here. So maybe, yeah. you know, and, and maybe that's that's part of what he was realizing is, you know, the, the real damage he could do. I mean, even when he's good, there's an ego thing. He wants to top Batman. But, you know, maybe now that he's sane, he's like, OK, but let's think this out. What does this mean if I utterly destroy Batman? Yeah. Yeah. And it's I want to go. I'm, I'm trying to find that page here because when he. I mean, he he screams no because yeah. he, he hands Batman over there. And they're about let's find out who this guy really is. And he screams no. We agreed to keep his secret. Those were the terms. And it's a very honorable thing. Mm-hmm. So you start to like, I can't I can't root for the Joker. I can't root for the Joker. And then you're like, well, I guess I can start rooting for Jack. Because <laughs> yeah. Jack definitely seems to be like a completely separate person. And it, this story goes far enough to convince you that, yes, Jack. Jack is a completely separate person. Okay. So anyway, as Jack takes Batman to meet the police, Neo Joker has finally found what she has been looking for. So during these issues, uh, she, I think, raids some police files. I don't know what sets her off on this. I can't remember what sets her off on this journey, but she takes Gotham's Gotham Gotham's villains. They She raids Gotham City's police department files, takes some hard drives, and then I think Mad Hatter starts pulling, them, pulling some things. So I think they're trying to... Are they... I, I don't know what they're initially trying to do, but whatever happens leads them to find out that Freeze was working with the Waynes, and that's why they went to the Waynes. I think they're looking for a weapon. I don't know. But either way, the end result is that Neo Joker and Mad Hatter find this humongous cannon that sits on the, the outskirts of Gotham, and it's not just a cannon. It is a Freeze cannon. While Batman is being processed in the police department, she unleashes this freeze ray onto Gotham, freezing all all the outside citizens, basically encasing the city in ice, riding on the side of the buildings, send Joker. With these new developments, Gordon's trying to determine what their next step should be. Like it's him and the and Jack and Harleen and the rest of Gotham City Police Department are trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And all of a sudden, Jack's medication starts to wear off. And in front of everybody, he immediately turns into the Joker. And that's how we end issue six. So we got a lot of things that happen here. You know, Batman gets finally Batman goes over the edge, causes a massive amount of destruction, and then we have him get captured out by the hands of Jack Napier and of course Neo Joker getting behind that freeze cannon and basically becoming one of the biggest threats to the city of Gotham that they've ever seen. So there we go. Issues four through six. Evan Bevins, you have the floor, man. What, what are your thoughts here? Just a really cool story they're building. Um, the stuff with Mr. Freeze and the Waynes confused me a little bit. I mean, I'll, just the, the timing alone that, that Mr. Freeze, who is very old, was a little boy when he met 
adult Thomas Wayne after World War II, I think. Um, but the story's so good, I'm, I'm not going to quibble over, over the details. Um, I think, okay, so... I know that there's an uh, there's something that happens in here where Mr. Freeze is able to finally take his helmet off. Yeah. Um, but when he does that, just like you said, he rapidly ages into this old man. And they're I like, oh, yeah, the that, freeze that's- technology is keeping his wife, you know, keeping her disease from advancing. And so he's trying to figure out if, if I'm remembering right, he was freezing her until he could find a cure for her disease. Mm-hmm. And then somehow he was exposed to it too. And so he hadn't aged. And then once he gets out of that, he, he starts aging. He ages up to where okay. he should be. All right. All um, right. And then, cause you know, at one point as I was reading this, I'm like, what, what's the deal with the Waynes and Mr. Freeze and Nazis? I mean, did they, did they need to pad this story out? But it, it does become a central element. Right. You know, it goes back to the idea of Batman's dad being a, a doctor. He wanted, he was, encouraging Freeze's dad to use this technology to help people, but other folks wanted it to be a weapon. You know, it references the idea of the U.S. government working with Nazi scientists after World War II. Yep. And so not under the auspices of Thomas Wayne, but somehow somebody had Freeze Sr. build this mega weapon, and yeah, Neo-Joker finds out about it, and uh, it, it's kind of funny. We're talking about all these, uh, you know, these real-world parallels and then giant freeze ray straight out of <laughs> Silver Age Batman, but but they make it work. Well, tell me what you think about the uh, Gotham Terror Oppression Unit. Uh, I think they are fast and furious. <laughs> the GTO? Right. Um, and <laughs> not only do they do some crazy crime-fighting driving, but by the end of the story, Jesse, they're a family. Oh, look out. That's a meme already. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, no, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. And um, yeah, another, I, I was you know all over these, these movie callbacks where Jack makes the point, why didn't Batman share any of this technology with you? But he says, you know, why doesn't he share all those wonderful toys? Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, it's, it's, it's not, not a bad question. I mean, that, that's one thing that, that can be interesting in comics is you have all these fantastical elements, but there's, it's still supposed to be the world we live in. So why doesn't that get shared? There was a storyline um, when Mark Wade was writing fantastic four where they were like, why don't you make suits for firefighters out of these unstable molecules that all the superhero costumes are made out of? And so somebody tried to reverse engineer it. And I think it like opened up a portal to another dimension or something, you know, that they, they had to come up with a reason why, Bad stuff keeps happening in the real world if Reed Richards is out there solving everything. You know, mm-hmm. why do, Why are the police underfunded and under-equipped if Batman has these, you know, rolling tanks that he can, right. you know, just pop out at, at any time? So it, it, was, it was an interesting concept. I, it was a little strange to me how, how hard they leaned into it. I mean, I, I make Fast and the Furious jokes, but that that's really what I thought. What I thought of, but at the same time, I mean, you know, he's... And we'll, we'll see in the later issues, he gets into even more familiar um, Batmobiles. I mean, we'll, we'll see that uh, that roof-driving tank, I think, mm-hmm. in issue seven and eight. You know, so it, as as important as he made the Batmobiles to, you know, not just the look, but actually part of the story, I, I guess it's fitting um, yeah. that yeah. he has the new uh, Gotham Police Force uh, unit in, in these souped-up vehicles. And I would be remiss if I didn't point out... Uh, Another uh, element in, uh, and I, I forget 
I got to look up when when th- this came out in relation to it. But another element in the Lego Batman movie was Barbara Gordon, the new police commissioner, wanting Batman to work with the police department. Lego Batman movie came out oh, the same same year, probably right before this this came out. I mean, I'm I'm not saying he purposefully homaged the Lego Batman movie. It's not that revolutionary a concept, you know. If if you're talking about vigilantism versus working within the confines of the law, Batman and Nightwing and Batgirl working with the Gotham Police Department is a, a logical solution. So right. maybe a- I'm just overly fixated on the Lego Batman movie, <laughs> but it is it, it's just funny to me that that that's another element that is. Is reflected in that and there's probably a lot more people that have seen that movie than have read uh, extensive batman comics that's true that's true we got three billion dollars why are we just using this to repair things why don't we use it to stop things before they need repaired mm-hmm. the the taxpayers are going to have a very real concern if someone comes out and says hey here's the batman devastation fund and you guys are footing the bill for three billion dollars it's a good blending of of the real world and and the comic book world and it, it doesn't get like too overloaded on an, on any of them i mean it you know it, it poses the problem okay well if you're upholding the law but you're also breaking the law it it's funny i was listening to uh the one we did on on daredevil um, and right. just finally got around to listening to it today and we talked a lot about that stuff yeah i, I like the way he, he does this because sometimes when you you explore those questions eventually you kind of work yourself into a corner like on uh Arrow, the the CW show Arrow. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that always bugged me in that was that I, Oliver Queen was a flipping serial killer in the first couple <laughs> seasons. I remember you. I mean, yeah, he was the Punisher with a bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they finally made that a story element. They're like, yeah, this guy killed a bunch of people, and it breaks Ollie down. And then they're like, okay, well, we still need to have a show. So everybody's like, yeah, but I mean, you you did more good than bad. And Ollie's like, okay, let's go fight crime. <laughs> this one they. They presented these these issues, but then they resolved them and moved the story forward. It's like, well, how about we put them on on the team? Do they have to reveal who they are? Are we going to start a civil war? No, they, yeah. they can keep the masks on. They just have to work. <laughs> Does that work real world? Maybe, maybe not. But it just, you know, it, it's like, okay, let's bring the real and the fantastical together. And now let's move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, I really, really like the way, the way they did it. I'm not saying they, you know, solved everything perfectly or whatever, but they told it in an entertaining way and made enough sense that I didn't go, no, wait a minute, hold on. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was still trying to figure out how old Thomas Wayne was when Bruce was born. <laughs> I, and before I move on, I, I did want to point this out, too. We have a very, like, real threat that the Joker, even even though Jack has started to solidify himself, and this is a very good part of the storytelling here, uh, but even though Jack that, uh, even though Jack has kind of solidified himself as a good guy, now we have a very real threat that the Joker is going to be returning. And by the end of issue six, he it looks like he has. The Joker's yeah. back. It's not good. You know, I mean, we're, we are definitely worried that we're going to have to deal with the Joker at some point in this book. And that's exactly what the villain of our piece, which is Neo Joker, wants. She wants the Joker back. Uh, so uh, it's really good. It, it, we, we've got a really good antagonist that uh, is just has that you have that real foreboding sense that they may be returning. And by the end of issue six, uh oh, it looks like the Joker's back. So. One of my favorite lines was, um, I think it was Jack as, as the Joker. The Joker was definitely coming to the surface, referring to Neo Joker as a pathetic hot topic shoplifter. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Oh, I, that reminds me of my favorite line. Somebody pointed this out, so I can't take credit for it, but it's, it's like a morning show or something where one person is definitely on the side of Batman and the other one's like on the side of the public, whatever. Somebody, I think it's Jack. Jack says something and is like attacking Batman on social media. And the oh, guy... Yeah. <laughs> The guy on there is like, what is he, what is Batman supposed to do? Tweet him back. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I was like, oh, well, that's a good point. Those folks Go on the morning show are probably the most unrealistic and plausible element of this whole story. <laughs> because right. it's two people who have differing worldviews and political views on the same show. Like, you can't even have that at the same network these and days. And they are not yelling at each other. Yeah. Not happening. Uh, that's funny. All right, here we go. Issues seven through eight. Now, this, if you think those first two synopsis are along, here we go. Um... So we learn quickly that Jack's change to the Joker is temporary. Okay. So that, you know, we left issue six. He's turning to the Joker, but luckily Jack, uh, Jack is able to turn back. So uh, it's temporary, but becoming more frequent. Uh, defeated, Harleen talks Jack into working with Batman to try to save the city and defeat Neo Joker. Releasing Batman, Jack rides alongside of him on their way to talk with Gordon about their plan of attack. And during the drive, Batman wants Jack to tell him about Jason Todd. Now, I will tell you, when that subject came up, which it was Batman that brought it up, obviously, I was like, I don't know if Batman's going to make it out of this car without killing Joker or Jack, I should say. Yeah. Because there was so much tension. I was like, these two guys are all alone in a car. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if Batman's going to handle this well. But Jack explains that Joker was jealous of Jason. Again, you know, Jason is Batman's Robin. It's his buddy. Joker was very jealous of him. And so that's why he captured him. He was torturing Jason and he wanted to know Batman's identity, which I think Jason gave it to him. And it, it was just uh, I think it was just after, you know, getting beat so much. He's like, I, you know, I wish I'd never met Bruce Wayne. What's interesting here, though, is that when he finds out the identity of who Batman is, Jack says that the Joker let Jason go. Astonished, Batman doesn't understand why Jason didn't come back, to which Jack tells him that Jason was broken by both Joker's torture and the fact that Bruce made him into Robin. Now, focusing on their plan, Batman and the GTO plan to attack <laughs> Neo-Joker by using some tunnels they, they use to create the cannon. Batman also gives the task force access to all of his Batmobiles, which... Oh, man, we had the 60s Batmobile in there. It was so beautiful. In the final issue, we get the full assault of Batman and the GTO versus Neo-Joker and the mind-controlled Gotham villains. As the fight wages, Neo-Joker loses control of the villains and begins to realize she is losing the battle as well. We have a situation where Jack is turning into the Joker and, the, and Jack's able to take control and the Joker's able to take control, which, just to let everybody know, I know this is an audio podcast, but visually, when you're looking at this comic book, I mean, his skin changes from uh, regular pigment to white when he turns to Joker. So it is like a full-on change. You can tell when you're seeing the Joker. I love the eyes, too. Like, one's purple and one's green. Oh, that looks beautiful. Joker is able to turn into Jack long enough to tell Harleen she was right and thanks her for giving him a chance to fall in love with her again just before saving her life as the Batmobile runs smack dab into a wall. After a breach in the tunnels, the water begins to fill in, but Mr. Freeze, who is along for the ride here, uh, is able to reverse the effects of the gun before the place gets flooded, returning the citizens of Gotham back to normal. Uh, and unfreezing and she... that baby. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> as Batman and the rest recuperate 
they find Jack and do CPR, bringing him back to life. So Jack Napier is still alive here. I, I thought he was dead for sure. Which, Meanwhile, which leads to a great exchange with Batman. Uh, you should have let me drown. I would have died a hero. And Batman says, I'd never let that happen. Jack says, what, you letting me die or are you letting me be a hero? And Batman goes, pick one. <laughs> Great. Uh, so meanwhile, Harleen is chasing is now chasing after the puppet master and Neo Joker. So she is obviously she just lost her man. And now she's going to go after Neo Joker. When she catches up to them, Harleen nearly kills Neo Joker. When all of a sudden she gets word over the radio, Jack is still alive. Uh, so she instead ties up Neo Joker and heads back to the team. I, and I want to stop here real quick. OK, because I, I am going to get into more of the after parts of this story. So. We get our fight. We get Harleen versus Neo Joker. I didn't know what was going to happen. She had the knife raised. I'm like, she's going to kill her. She's going to kill her. But, of course, she stops at the end uh, when she gets word that Jack is still alive. And she heads back to the team. And when that showed up, there was something that hit me about this story. And I, what I had seen, what I started to realize is that you know, as dark as this is, as realistic as this is, I, I, I think we're going to get a happy ending here. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was my feeling. I was like, we're going to get a happy ending. I did not foresee Jack living. That's the, that's the one thing that took me by surprise. When Jack crashed the Batmobile, I had, you know, it definitely looked like a bad explosion. I'm like, there's no way Jack lives. And this is obviously going to set Harleen on a dark path. And she's going to go after Neo Joker and make her pay. But when Batman, you know, was able to save his life, I was like, oh, wow, this is actually going to end well. Um, so we got our battle and we get up to where Harleen brings Joker back. So what, what do you, do you have any thoughts on the battle itself and what's going on? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of cool moments uh there um they even had had a nice uh bit where um you know killer croc i think he's about to take duke out he he tosses bullock out of no he he dumps bullock out of his car and is about to slam that down on him and duke tosses him a gun and they both shoot killer croc and so they, they didn't focus a lot on either of them but you know they had that run in back in like issue four i think where bullock talked about him being an ex-cop and you know uh duke saying oh you guys you guys were corrupt and then they have this nice element, even though, you know, we're focused on Batman and Jack and Harley and Neo Joker and Gordon. But they, they have this, you know, nice, uh, you know, character arc, full circle moment for Bullock and Duke, even just in right. a couple panels. Right. right. I, I like that. I loved, you know, they had they had Barbara in the or Batgirl in the Tumblr going after the uh, the big ice gun. She said something about delivering the package. And I'm like, what what she she got? And she gets up there and is about to stop Neo Joker and the Hatter. But then Poison Ivy shows up and incapacitates her. And then, boom, there's the package, Mr. Freeze. And it helps if you imagine him delivering it in Schwarzenegger's accent. You know, sorry, I'm all out of ice puns. <laughs> yes, which is another because I mean, what it, before anything else, what do people talk about with Batman and Robin? Oh, yeah. All the puns. Oh, which yeah. Didn't bother me. Shocking. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just I, I loved that. That was that was a great uh, kind of meta moment. Yes, absolutely. So uh, okay, so I have a question. Does Killer Croc run around with like a little kid or something? That um, I think that's a reference to a character from the animated series. There was right. um, like she was an actress that that didn't age. 
I mean, she she looks like a doll, but I think she was just she had some condition where she didn't age. Okay. And I, I didn't remember a connection between them, but um, but I, I'm I'm thinking that's an animated series reference. Yeah, it's funny because you know they look up. I'm trying to find out who it was that says it. I don't know if it's Bullock that says it or gosh, I'm trying to. Find oh, it, it was it was Harley. I I, I I know the line you're you're talking about. Hang on, let me find it. These two always creep me out. Duke says, and Harley goes, "When they cuddle, I bet Croc is the little spoon." <laughs> I forgot about the spooning parts. Oh, that wasn't the line you were going for. No, I no the the. Well, I was trying to figure out who in the world the girl was because I had no clue. I knew who Killer Croc was, but I was like, who in the world is the little girl? And the line was Duke saying these two always creep me out, and I'm like, okay, so obviously that line right there means that these two characters have a history together. Uh, and then of course it's definitely followed up with the spooning. They're obviously got a history together if they're spooning. <laughs> <laughs> but it's hilarious. So I'm going to have to look that up then because I don't recall. I, I had no idea. I, I remember I that like, character from the show. I didn't remember a, a tie-in with, with Croc. Well, then, and then you got a great line from Bullock uh, just like plows into the penguin and yells, bring it on, happy feet. <laughs> uh, there were a lot of good moments in this fight. And uh, elements like this are great to see because you see a lot of references there. I mean, look at look at the Batmobiles, man. Oh, yeah. I mean... There, one of them looks like I don't know if that's like an old school Rolls Rolls Royce. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. is that the is that the '30s Batmobile? I, I don't know. I I'm looking at the one Nightwing's driving, which is again straight out of the animated series. Yeah, I'm looking at Montoya. So up there, it's the okay. it's the panel right before Killer Croc and it gets. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I see that one. I, I I don't know, but I the way he's re using references on everything else, I doubt that was out of nowhere. Right. Right. It it <laughs> does look like one of the old. old Older school comic, not exactly, but it does look like one of the older uh, versions from the comics. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, this is a podcast about a comic. You'll never get the visual experience by listening to me talk about it. <laughs> we, we tell you what happens in the big events, but trust me, you need to pick this. You need to pick this book up to experience what you get to see on the page. All this, all this action that is happening. Um, but uh, anyway, anything else about the fight and, and uh, Har I mean, we got Harley versus Harleen or Neo Joker versus Harleen. Did you have any thoughts on what occurred there? No, I just, uh, I mean, that's that's kind of who, who it had to come down to, I yeah. guess. You know, the woman who loved uh, Joker for Jack Napier versus the woman who loved Joker for all the, the chaos he causes. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's Batman, White Knight, and it's about the Joker being a good guy, but it, it, it came down to the Harleys. Yeah, okay. All right, my next bit here uh, for these issues. Uh, so as Jack heads back to Arkham, he realizes his time is short, uh, so he knows he's going to be becoming the Joker here pretty soon. So he asks to go in as Jack, to his cell and also he asked to get married to harleen before he turns back i didn't put this in the synopsis but earlier i think it's harleen who proposes to jack yeah. well, <laughs> jack, does... jack, jack proposed to uh harley 2.0 not knowing he right. had the wrong girl um and she pocketed the ring surprise as harleen and jack start to get a relationship you know basically start building their relationship back up um I think she asks him to marry her and he's very like reticent about it. Like he's, yeah. he's, he's realizing that he's not a good 
person. Uh, he doesn't believe himself to be a good person. Doesn't believe himself to be worthy. I think, but you know, at, at, when it's all said and done, he agrees. You and know. for those who still think uh, comics are largely for kids, we might want to mention that this conversation oh, yeah. takes place in bed with uh, some strategically placed word balloons. <laughs> yeah, right. He wants he wants to get married to Harleen before he turns back into the Joker. And as the pastor recites his passages, Harleen says her vows. But in the middle of his vows, a terrifying cackle begins as Jack turns into the Joker and says, I do. I mean, uh, so I wanted that to work. Your happy ending, Starcher. Yeah. (laughs) Dang it. Dang it. I was really hoping that we could go off into the sunset and Jack actually remain Jack somehow. Obviously, I I mean, the book leads you to believe there it's, pretty much going to happen that he's going to turn back into the joker oh yeah but some point i was just like come on let this work let this work and you want you rooted for the couple you wanted harleen and you wanted jack to be together and that's the brilliance of the book and unfortunately you just don't get it now you know at the point when that happens i'm like oh she's married to the joker now but i mean she was going to get married to the same person anyway (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there there is a part with this line that, I mean, it was awkward when I was reading it. Mm-hmm. And then they pick up on it later when they, they tell Jack they've got, they've got him a new cell, you know, since he was a right. thank you gift from, from Gotham. And he says, but my old cell, that's where I learned about the Joker. Well, for Mike that, F- Jesse, you'll have to read Batman Curse of the White Knight. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, All this right. is this is a trilogy with a few spinoffs sprinkled in. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say it's a trilogy. A third part is coming out. I always kind of assumed it was a trilogy because you know everything's everything good's a trilogy. Ah, uh-huh, that's right. Yes, indeed. They're set. They're sowing a seed there with that. Is that what's going oh, on? Oh yeah. Okay. Definitely. All right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Now there's a little bit about how. Alfred left a note for Batman and Batman finally reads it. You know, Alfred passed away. He leaves his final words in a note for Batman. Well, now it's starting to click because I remember when I read this part, I was like, what's he talking about? And I bet this probably pops up in the trilogy. Alfred leaves a note and he says that one one of the things you could take away from this, and and this is really all that I thought mattered from the note. Alfred's words carry a lot of weight as he says, there is no strength in being alone. And the good thing is, is Batman reads these words with Batgirl and Nightwing by his side. And, you know, throughout this whole book, it's Batman by himself. He is trying to take down the Joker by himself. And even though he's got a team that's willing to work with him, the more he strays off on his own and definitely is not listening to the people that are around him. He is a very single minded individual when it comes to the Joker. Mm -hmm. Um, So Alfred, you know, passes away and he says, you know, there is no strength in being alone. But there's also a mention of like, oh, by the way, I left you a little something in in the floorboard. We don't get that payoff. Oh, so yeah, I'm hoping. I about that. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's going to be something that shows up. Maybe. I don't know. But it, it, it might be. I, I honestly, I, I remember that that thread I mentioned gets picked up in Curse of the White Knight, but I can't tell you exactly how. I, I, I need, I need to, to reread that. So uh, okay. I know Hoopla also has a, a Harley Quinn limited series set in this uh in this world right jack's confession which he said he was going to confess and and he's a man of his word jack's confession hits the media duke tells the media he believes jack made a difference and harleen looks to rebuild the library so there was a library that jack and harleen had started in uh started in backport but then ended up getting destroyed uh during one of you know, Batman trying to draw all the Joker out with all the villains uh, in backport. But uh, well, it was and Jack meant for it to be destroyed so that no one would think he was behind the whole thing. That's right. 
That's right. Uh, and then uh, Batman. So here's the big thing. Here is the big thing. Batman confronts Harleen. All right. And he tells her that he knows she was the one that orchestrated the Joker getting the pills in that warehouse somehow. And also was behind trying to cause the downfall of Batman. And dang, so I got in. You're good, Bats. Not even Jack figured that one out. <laughs> He's like, who do you think told me? So, yes, you said that she is a very central figure to the plot of this. Harleen definitely was. And here's kind of the payoff. What do you got to say about it? Well, you know, Batman says everybody thought Jack was the White Knight. It was you. And he asks her, why, why did you do it? And it wasn't just because she loved Jack. She said somebody had to break the stalemate and get the two of them to work together. You know, even with all the stuff that Jack came up with, he couldn't do it on his own. And clearly, and that's one of the themes in so many Batman stories, Batman's been doing this for, you know, what, 80 years real world time. And, you know, depends on the day of the week, how long in, in DC time. Yeah. And Gotham's still a problem. Now, we right. know that's because, you know, I think there's like 20 some Batman books on the shelves. And, you know, that's how <laughs> Warner Brothers and DC got to keep that uh that that sweet, sweet bat money flowing. That's right. But in story, you, you need a, another reason and you, you need to address that. And so, you know, Harley says, hey, you weren't going to save the city and Jack wasn't going to save the city either. But I was betting that Jack had a lot to show us and a lot to show you. And I was right. And, and she even says this through the early issues that she saw, even though her first I think her first interaction was with the Joker. It's not like Jack Napier was going to her first. It was her first her first uh, interaction with Jack was when he was in his Joker persona. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but she has said over and over, she saw the good that he could do. And that was in him. And that's what, you know, she, when she was working with him, she was just trying to work to get that out of him to try and turn him into something better. And of course, when she realized it was a lost cause because Joker's obsessed with Batman, that's when she leaves. Yeah. But, and and that's what I think is interesting about the story. As soon as she finds out Jack is back or Jack Joker has turned into Jack, she is immediately on the scene. Um, now, granted, it's not like she did that afterwards. She knew what she was doing ahead of time. She set that all up. So hopefully it would have. So hopefully it would happen. There um, is a scene in the first issue. You know, you mentioned somebody taking that video of yeah. Batman attacking the Joker. We, we see it on the cell phone, and then as they're, you know, dragging the Joker out of there, you see a woman in a red coat with a black shirt put the cell phone in her in her purse. So that's okay. so, so Harley was in that first issue. It's a great way to cap off, okay, you know, Harleen was uh, the one behind all of this. Uh, but we're not done there, folks. We are not done there. Even though we found out who the actual white knight of this of this story was... Batman goes back to the Gotham City Police Department uh, or the GTO, if you will. He goes and finds Gordon. And earlier in the book, he tells Gordon, like, I'm done. As soon as this is over, I'm done and I'm taking the mask off. And you're like, yeah, right. That ain't happening. Sure enough, he meets up with Gordon. He says he wants to gain the city's trust and Gordon's as well. And he takes his mask off right there and prepares to let Gotham know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah, as far as big moments go in Batman history, now granted this is, you know, this again is a story outside of continuity, but I mean, that's huge. <laughs> that's huge. What do you think, man? Oh yeah, definitely very very uh, powerful moment. I know the, the fallout is followed up on 
in in Curse of the White Knight, I, I I can't remember many details. Batman, you know, letting the last bit of isolation go because you know the he was still Batman. Gordon didn't know who who he really was. You know, he he gives him the keys of the Batmobile, but he says here, you know, the, the, this is who I am. So he takes down the last barrier between them. Yeah, yeah, big, big, big moment. So what a way to end it. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed myself reading these eight issues. I didn't know. Like I told you what I expected at the beginning. It definitely wasn't this. And Sean Murphy pulled it off. I mean, he did. He told a great story, uh, a story that was compelling and it had me on the edge of my seat through the issues. I, not a hard read at all. The art was beautiful for a writer and artist. He's he's definitely worthy of both titles, in my opinion. So really good pick, man. Uh, you know, I'm glad you landed on this and wanted to talk about it because Number one, it's playing with it's playing with stuff that people have been saying about Batman for years. And number two, it's introducing real elements that are happening at the time of publication. They could have took those elements, put them in here, and it could have been really heavy-handed. It wasn't. It was used as a good a good facet of the story. So yeah. it, um, I mean, it you know I I wrote down when he and uh, when Jack and Batman are you know kind of debating in in the cell at Arkham in, in issue seven. It's like yeah, Jack was was right. Batman had gone overboard. The police had done some stuff they they shouldn't have done, but he was he wasn't totally right. You know, it, it's still comic book Gotham, so you still have to have a Batman. But but what I got out out of that is hey, you know, pe- people need to listen. If you want to make a difference, it can't be about your ego. Because for as much as Jack was helping Gotham, a lot of it was still about beating Batman. Mm-hmm. He just, you know, was he just was sane enough to realize that you know he had to he had to limit himself. There was you know, there's there's a great uh, back and forth in that cell. He's you know um, Batman says you know you're always going to be the Joker, and he says I am Jack Napier, not the Joker, and I made Gotham a better place. And Batman goes, but you broke the law to do it. And Jack says, so do you. Exactly. <laughs> it's like how are you on the high ground here? That is a great conversation piece. Like this guy cannot go around saying that I'm committing a crime and putting me in jail when this person is committing a crime and should be in jail by doing so. The the other reveal that that I I really liked getting back to the whole uh, whole driving on rooftops thing <laughs> yeah. is you know Jack tells him he figured out that Batman was Bruce Wayne even though up until recently he didn't remember what happened with Jason Todd so the Joker knew. Batman was Bruce Wayne, but Jack didn't. But he figured it out when he was investigating the Batman Devastation Fund because all of that money doesn't come from the taxpayers. Yeah. It's 100% replenished by companies owned by Bruce Wayne, which is another thing because I I thought going into this that kind of like you did, it was going to be Joker's a good guy, Batman's a bad guy. What's that look like? But just like Joker's not 100% good. I mean, he's still lying and manipulating people to do the the right thing. But Batman, you know, they're talking about Batman destroying all this stuff, except Batman is paying for it. Batman's the one making sure it it gets funded. He's he's cleaning up his messes. So so to speak. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so, you know, I, I, I like that there were there were places where Batman was wrong. There were places where Jack was wrong, but they were they were trying to do the right thing. And by trying to see other people's point of views, they managed to save the city. Yeah, there's a couple times in this book, you know, Batman's known as the world's greatest detective. And I think it may play into why Batman decides that he's done. Other than the fact that I think obviously things are starting to crack around him. His identity is not as safe as it was before anyway. The world's greatest detective seemed awfully surprised that Jack was able to put that together himself. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, well, you know, I imagine he probably was like, man, I'm an idiot. (laughs) 
anybody could have figured that out. <laughs> and then there's the part at the end where, again, Harleen is like, Batman is the one that is told that Harleen was behind it. He didn't figure it out himself. It yeah. was Jack that told him. So, again, there's some concessions that Bruce has to make, saying, like, maybe he's just kind of starting to slip. And he's like, you know, maybe I'm not as good as I... Clearly, he isn't. I imagine Batman regrets, you know, destroying, accidentally destroying the bridge. <laughs> Sure. You know, well, I'm sure. and he doesn't have, you know, he pushed all these people away, but he doesn't have Alfred anymore to keep him in check. That's, That's right. Another, another point they made. It's like he can drive Dick away. He can, you know, I don't know, Barbara. Barbara's still pretty green in, in this continuity. I, I love the part where she goes up to Mr. Freeze. She's like, hey, that's what happened in the lab. And he goes, oh, so you must have been his assistant. She's like, crap, I'm still in my costume. <laughs> He's in the costume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. But oh. so, yeah, the, the fact that he doesn't have Alfred, who's like the one person, you know, who had some authority over him, I guess. I imagine that uh, there's a very good possibility that Batman would have died if Alfred would not have saved his life. Bruce is seeing this, maybe seeing this as, you know, I, if it wasn't for Alfred, I'd be dead right now. And I get, I can't make these mistakes. I'm starting to make mistakes over and over and over. I should probably hang things up and come clean or something like that. Or at least, yeah, change and start relying on more people. Well, all right, man. We've come. We've come to the end. Did you have any other notes there before we uh, close up shop here? Just, I, I mean, I, I think you know, I I enjoyed it. That, that's why I recommended it to you guys, and I, I enjoyed reading it again. It's it's clever. It's got good ideas, but it's not heavy handed. It's smart. It's entertaining. It's got Easter eggs out the wazoo, but they serve the story. I mean, it's it, it's all these familiar elements, but it's telling its own unique story i mean it's I, I thoroughly enjoyed it highly recommend it i'll agree i will second that had a great time man i'm glad you brought it i'm glad you brought it to the source material comics podcast so all right well yeah and, maybe at some you know i know you and mark are scheduled out into like 2030 or whatever but uh you know if you want to make this a podcast trilogy and, and read through it I'm, I'm i'm up for that yeah, man, for sure. Absolutely. I'm down. All right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and get on out of here. Let's go ahead and we'll get into plugs. Hey, it's plug time, and you all know what that means. This would be a good time to plug the sponsor of the W2M Network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of Source Material, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com W, the number two, M network to download Grammarly for free. But yeah, you can find my writing at asterisk51.blogspot.com. I write about comics, movies, movies about comics, comics about movies, occasionally some sports-related things, and uh, with movies coming out, the weird things, you're going to get a lot of top ten lists and greatest uh, Batman and Spider-Man stories, so I'm going to... I'm going to zig when the other folks zag. So I'd like to tell you right now what my uh, awesome uh, weird Batman story is, but I, it's it slipped my mind at the moment. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've, you know, I've written about read-throughs of some 
oddball uh, comics um, like uh, Cap Wolf, um, the original DC Masters of the Universe. Um, been uh, writing through some of the the X Men stuff I've, I've been reading lately. I'm trying to decide, couldn't decide whether to keep buying X Men, so I'm like, I'll just write a blog about it. <laughs> Talking about movies where uh, I can't see the forest for the trees and get hung up on a single scene or element. <laughs> um, and working my way through the eclectic catalog you can find at your local Dollar Tree. Hashtag Dollar Tree Cinema. This week is absolutely loaded with some Batman. Uh, so here's here's what we got going on. So this airs Monday the 28th. And previously on Sunday the 27th, it was Tripped Up Trivia Batman. That's right. We're doing all things Batman uh, trivia wise. So we'll, we will see how this goes. I think we're dividing it up. The plan is to divide it up from we're going to do TV, movies and comics seems easy enough those are three good sections then let's see march 1st it looks like we have the long road to ruin batman the burton years then the second shows that long road to ruin the dark knight trilogy is going to be re-airing uh metal hammer of doom has a house of pain fine malt lyrics that is what we're going to be talking about on the metal hammer of doom then we have what appears to be what is ot what does he call that is that um OT, Gotham by Gaslight. But anyway, Gotham by Gaslight, that's re-airing on the 3rd. Long Road to Ruin, the animated Dark Knight re-air is going to be on there. Then we have the 4th, which will... A lot of night stuff here. Surprise, surprise. Uh, On the 4th, source material Batman Haunted Night is going to be re-airing. And the Long Road to Ruin, Batman the Animated Series is going to be re-airing. And then the 5th, the 5th of... Uh, the 5th of March, Gotham by Gaslight source material. So I was part of that. I remember that. Okay. Talked, okay. So we did a source material on Gotham by Gaslight. That's going to be re- re-airing. And then I'm going to do a syndicated source material. That's where I go in and clean things up. But I may not have to do that with this one. Batman Hush. So this oh. was back. Yeah, this was back in 2000. I want to say 16. And it was myself. And I'm pretty sure Benjamin J. Cologne joined us. And Jason Teasley might have been on there. OT is on trial. There you go. Oh, okay. So yeah, I, I just me- I just messaged Mark. I'm like, what's OT? I, I won't tell him that you didn't know either. Okay, good, good. <laughs> uh, so syndicated source material, Batman Hush. That uh, that should be a fun one. You guys could check that out. So it's all things Batman going on this week. Be ready uh, for it. I'll, I'll definitely want to listen. To it. That might have been the first. That might have been the first Batman I collected. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was like Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee. Come on, sign me right, up. Right, dude. Man, it was it was it was a uh, fantastic. I mean, Jim Lee, you can't go wrong, cannot go wrong. But other than that, hey, you could check out Unspoken Issues, which I'm sure will have a few issues, a few issues and episodes, a few episodes uh, going up here at some point. I know that there's some talk about doing some stuff in regards to the Image 30th year anniversary. And I know that is something that I pitched to Bailey, which I believe he threw out to everybody on uh, yep. uh, on the Superblock team up. So we may be able to tie that in with a Superblock team up at some point. But there you go. probably in the past here that you should be able to find an unspoken issues where myself dean compton and Derry got together and talked about the web of carnage that's right web of carnage that's evan bevins i am jesse starcher thank you very much for joining us tonight we'll talk to you later have a good one bye-bye thank you all for joining us make sure to give that rattle in broadcasting facebook page a like 
to stay up on top of all the great podcasts we have to offer. We are at home on Spreaker, but you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and recently we have hit the air on Spotify. Find your favorite podcast platform and type in R-A-D-U-L-I-C-H to subscribe for some great content. If you enjoyed this show, please feel free to share and spread the word. And as always, we appreciate any feedback and look forward to entertaining you again soon. 